Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. So our Sacred Scripture reading is one that I used about three or four weeks ago, and I wanted to bring it back because I think it ties in well with where we're headed with this kind of conclusion of the series that we're in. So this is from Proverbs 30, and it's verses 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you. Do not deny them to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that I have, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So we are in a series on the Lord's Prayer, and we are diving deep into it. And we've gone through five different phrases or stanzas of the Lord's Prayer. And we are concluding today with the final little bit of the Lord's Prayer uh, to wrap up this series. And so I want to kind of go over the first five stanzas and how we've kind of, how we, I've rewritten them each week to kind of capture the essence of what we think or what what I believe Jesus is getting at throughout these. And so I'm going to read these first five and then we'll be diving in from there. So this is how I've kind of worked out the Lord's Prayer as we've gone so far. To the one in whom we belong and who makes us family, the source and divine parent who runs the house from a posture of wholeness and shalom. May your distinguishable character and your actions infused with justice and mercy be made known through those in your family. Reveal and bring your way and your order. May it happen as we co-create with you so this place reflects wholeness and shalom. Give us what we need for each day. There is enough. Let us not use the necessities for life as a way to gain power over others. May forgiveness be an orientation flowing openly between us all trusting that having power and money over one another only leads to bondage. And then finally, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So tonight is the Super Bowl, and it's going to be fun. The 49ers and the Chiefs are going to battle it out on the gridiron in Las Vegas, and we're going to get to listen to Tony Romo. So, hey, Jim, here we go, Jim. It's going to be great, Jim. Just trust me, that was a really good impression of Tony Romo doing color commentary. Okay, when you watch the game tonight, you're going to hear him say, Jim, this is the big play, Jim. And you're going to go, oh my gosh, my pastor sounds just like him. Um, It's going to happen, people. Here's the thing. Tomorrow morning, or even tonight, but most likely tomorrow morning, we're going to have a whole lot of people playing something called Monday morning quarterback. Anyone know what Monday morning quarterback is? Monday morning quarterback is when 
we decide to judge the teams that played for all the wrong things they did as if they knew that was going to happen. And we get to judge from hindsight, right? We get to be in the future. We go, well, you know what they should have done on third down is actually ran the ball when it was third and one. They shouldn't have passed the ball because who they knew they should have known they were going to intercept it. And it's like, but did they? Did they? They passed the ball all the time, anytime they're third down and one. And so you thought they were should have run it? Like, Yes, it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback. It's easy to always know what happened and then to judge how it went. We like playing Monday morning quarterback. When do we like to play Monday morning quarterback? When is it the best time to play Monday morning quarterback? Anybody know when the best time to play Monday morning quarterback is? Yes, on Monday. Okay, that wasn't what I meant. When your team loses, right? When you on Monday. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. No. When your team loses, when your team loses, it is the most tempting thing to play Monday morning quarterback. And the Vikings fans in the room know this all too well. Sorry, I had to do it. Some of you are like, come on, let us off the hook once. No, I'm with you in this. We struggle together. Okay, when they win, most of us will be dead. But I'm including myself. I don't anticipate them winning for 40 years. Okay, so no. But as Vikings fans, as fans of almost every single team that ever plays every single year, because only one team gets the victory at the end, we all have the ability to find some reason why our team should have won because our team lost. We're going to play Monday morning quarterback, and we want to find someone to blame. We want to find someone to blame. It's what we are really good at, is finding someone to blame. So when life throws us curveballs, when something doesn't go the way we want, when we have an opportunity and it doesn't go our way, or we don't arrive and do the thing we thought we were going to do, whatever it is, it's so easy for us to blame someone else, to look outside of us, to find someone else, to use the word that I appreciate, scapegoat. We try to find a scapegoat for our problems. That is what humans tend to do. Because to look internally, to actually look at what we may have contributed. Now, I know you're like, okay, this analogy of football breaks down real quick because I'm not playing the game. You're right. You can't control anything. So play Monday morning quarterback all you want. But here's the real thing. Listen to what the players have to say. Do they blame someone else or do they own what happened? Do they blame someone else or do they own what happened? Because that's the real test of what comes next. The real test is where do you place the blame? Because when life is hard for us, we tend to not look inside, but we tend to look externally at all this. You know, it was my parents' fault if they had raised me differently. It's my roommate's fault if they would have not turned my computer off, then that would have saved. I would have come back to it. I would have finished it on time, professor, I promise. Like, we find someone else to blame. The dog ate it, right? Like, we always try to find someone else that's responsible for the things that we didn't do. I think this is part of what is being gotten at at this point in the prayer. This is the temptation that many people have. This is the temptation that Jesus knows impacts humanity. This is the temptation that doesn't just impact individuals, but it impacts entire groups of people. Entire groups of people, entire parties, political parties across the spectrum of politics, entire teams of people, entire companies tend to blame their problems on something outside of themselves when things don't go the way 
they wanted to. The market took a dive, and that's why we're here. And it could be a contributing factor. Yes, external things happen to us, and it does impact us. But the question of how we go forward is an internal question, not an external blame, because we tend to scapegoat others. That's what we tend to do as humans. We want to find someone to blame outside of ourselves. This was happening as far back as you go in the Bible. It was happening during Jesus' time, blaming things on the Romans, blaming things on the Pharisees, blaming things on the poor, blaming things on whoever. And it's happening now. Everybody, when you turn the news on, you're watching people scapegoat someone else for the problems that they find in their reality. People are constantly scapegoating others. It's what we tend to do. We find reasons for why things are hard. Because in this prayer, the process that we are going through is we got to get our orientation right. That's those first three stanzas, that God is the one in charge of this household. God is the one ordering it. And it's from a place of wholeness and shalom. And that if we get that orientation right, God is inviting us as family members to participate in what God is up to. And, the, and then what God is up to is bringing things here, not just saving us for a later day up in heaven, but is actually meant to transform the here and the now, life in this dirt, life on this planet, life with each other. This is supposed to be transformed into something beautiful and wonderful. It's supposed to look more and more like heaven here. So we get that orientation, right? And the next question is naturally, okay, great. I got that orientation. I want to participate in that, but how do I do that? And the answer is, make sure that people are fed. Give us our daily bread. There's enough food on the planet for everyone. Make sure that you share. Make sure that the haves give to the have-nots. Make sure that there's distribution. Make sure that you care well for each other because God's going to do God's work. The world's going to keep on spinning. The sun's going to keep on shining. The harvest is going to come in. We just got to learn to care for one another. Give us the daily bread. Once we got that figured out, we're going to have to deal with some things. We're going to have to deal with some debt that we've accumulated because sometimes my harvest didn't come in, but yours did. So I borrowed from you some seed to plant my harvest. And then that one didn't come in that well, so I had to borrow some more. And so now I'm accumulating debt, and eventually that's going to cause a cycle of poverty for me and my family. That's going to continue on for generation after generation. And you're going to get ahead. I'm going to get behind. What can I do about it? Forgiveness. Forgive the debts. Let's get back to a place of equity. Let's get back to a place where we can have a healthy balance. Let's get back to a place where we can be in healthy relationship. Because when you hold a debt over me, there's a problem with this relationship. We've all borrowed five bucks from somebody in middle school, and that person was king of the castle. We all know it. When you borrow 20 bucks from somebody, you're like, dang. We all know it. We've all felt it on minor levels, and we feel it on major levels. Because if you have a loan out with the bank, you know that if things go south, this is a problem. We know that if medical debts pile up, this is a problem. Because debts have a way of keeping us buried. Forgiveness of debts is about dealing with past in a way that understands and recognizes that life is complicated and hard, and we got to have systems that help each other out, systems of forgiveness. And here's the thing. If we get the daily bread right and we get the past forgiveness of debts right, that's really good. That's really good. If we could do that, now we're on a trajectory where something could flourish. Now we're on a trajectory where something good can happen. If we get the forgiveness thing right and we get the daily bread right, man, 
Sky's the limit. Up and to the right. Let's go. Let's build. Let's, let's create. Let's, let's do this thing. Because now we don't have all the burdens of, of debt. We don't have the burden of where's my food coming from because we're sharing. We can just start living and thriving and flourishing. But there's a problem with that. Because the temptation is to believe that we're responsible. The temptation is to think, I caused the sun to rise, which fed the crops. I caused the rain to come, which fed the crops. I caused this this, this forgiveness to happen because, you know, it was owed to me. We tend to think that we're responsible for the goodness that's created. Because as much as we like playing Monday morning quarterback and blaming someone else and finding a scapegoat, what do we do when things go well? Who do we give credit to when things go well? I'm going to be really honest. When things go really well in my life, I raise my hand and say, yeah, I did that. <laughs> it was me. I did that. Like, I'm responsible. Literally, I go home and like if my, like on Saturday mornings, my wife goes and teaches a spin class at the YMCA and then I stay home with the boys and I usually try to get some of the house cleaning done and kind of get ready for the weekend so we can just have a nice trajectory to the weekend, right? And so she comes home and I'm like, hey, how'd it go, honey? And she's like, oh, it went great. And I said, that's awesome. You want to know what I did? And she's like, what? And I was like, well, I walked the dogs. I had my coffee. I cleaned the toilets. I vacuumed the floor. I did the mirrors. I, I even scrubbed the sinks. And she's like, wow, thanks. I was like, yeah, I did that. It was me. It was me. It was me. I'm awesome. I'm such a good husband. And she's like, what do you want, a back scratch? I was like, I would actually. And she's like, wrong marriage, buddy. Uh, no, she wouldn't. Act. But anyway, the point is, I tend to credit myself when things go well. I'm an able-bodied human who doesn't have to work on a Saturday morning because I have the privilege of working on Sunday morning. Like, that is thanks to you, right? That's thanks to this role. That's thanks to what God gave me and the education that I got that my parents provided me. There's a lot of other people that should get credit for me cleaning a toilet. I know that sounds kind of weird, but when you really add up all of life, there's so many other people that created that moment where, yeah, I could do a little, you know, sweat equity and like help out a little bit and do my, do my part. But the thing is, there's so many others responsible for that moment that helped me get there. Everything that we have in life that's good was purely a gift. Yes, you probably worked hard, and I am so happy that you did, but that work ethic came from somewhere. That effort came from somewhere. That talent came from somewhere. The fact that you breathe air came from God. And so if you're going to give credit to anyone, just be thankful for every breath that you take and that you get to do something because there are people that don't have that luxury. And so everything needs to be seen as gift, and yet we tend and we're tempted to be responsible for our own goodness. I'm awesome at cleaning toilets. I teach my boys, right? I'm so good at reading the market. I invested so wisely as opposed to, you know what? The market's fickle and I got lucky this time. And some of us are really good at it and it's great. I want to invest with you. But the point is, there's a lot of other things that contribute to our own goodness. The thing about this temptation is that if we scapegoat others, or if we think that we're solely responsible for all of life's goodness, if we do that, we are heading on a road towards evil. We're heading down a road towards evil. You might be like, okay, I don't understand. How, why, why are we heading on a road towards evil? But here's the thing. Scapegoating leads to violence and vengeance. 
It naturally does. When we've blamed someone else for our problems, when we've blamed someone else for all that's gone wrong, when we've blamed someone else for the circumstances that we find ourselves in, something's got to give eventually. Something's got to give. And we like to think, we like to think that some act of vengeance, some act of violence, and I'm not saying violence just in the physical form. It can be emotional violence. It could be relational violence. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we can cause harm to another human being. Just giving someone the silent treatment, does it really heal any relationship to be silent and to be a jerk? No, it actually doesn't. Now, you might need to cool off for a minute, but that's not giving someone the silent treatment. It's just stepping away so you can collect yourself and take a deep breath. But when we harm another person or when a people group harms another people group, we tend to do this because we think it's going to improve our circumstances. So when we fall behind, when we're not ahead, when we're on the bottom, when things don't go the way we want, we tend to look at someone else to blame, and then eventually we cause harm when we do that. When we scapegoat others, we tend to cause harm. This is why I love what Richard Rohr writes about the cross. Richard Rohr calls the cross the end of the scapegoat mechanism. Richard, he talks about how this idea that Jesus went to the cross to stop the cycle of violence, that everybody was blaming somebody for the problems, and Israel was doing this too, and the Jews were doing this to the Romans, and it was the cycle of violence. Somebody was blaming somebody, and somebody's blaming somebody, and it just goes on and on and on and on, and we know the history of the world. We can see it in basically every single people group that we tend to blame someone else for our problems, and it only causes more and more problems. And what Jesus did on the cross is said, nope, nope. Even though I'm righteous and justified, I won't fight back. They can blame me for everything. Because this scapegoating thing, it stops here. And it stops now. And then we're invited into that. We're invited into not giving into that temptation, not living into that evil, but we're invited to say, it stops with me right now. Can we see ourselves as someone that stops the cycle of the scapegoat, that stops the cycle of violence and harming another? And when we do give ourselves credit, we all know the saying, Pride comes before the fall. It's a saying because it's in the Bible, and it's a saying because it's true. Because when we think that we're responsible for all of the goodness that we have, when we're responsible for the joy that we're experiencing, when we're responsible, when we're the sole person responsible for the trajectory of life that's up and to the right and that's going well, and that is just, woo, we are on board and we're going for it. When we think we're responsible for that, there is something that we want to do. Keep it. We want to keep it. We don't want it to change. We don't want it to go away. We want to keep that trajectory going, and we will do what we have to do to keep it. And so when we think that we're the center of the world, when we think we're the center of the universe and that everything is our responsibility, there's a tendency to start acting like it, and there's a tendency to fall into some really dangerous habits and patterns to keep it that way. We see this in political parties. We see this with autocratic dictators. We see this with pastors. We see this with people in charge of companies. We see this with people in a family who think that everyone's got to listen to them. We see this in friendships. We see this in marriages. We see this on the playground. 
How many of us have watched little kids, the one in charge, as soon, but as soon as somebody beats them, oh my, the violence comes out quick because the status quo of that, of that playground just changed overnight. My friend growing up was the king of the neighborhood. Anytime he got dethroned, there was H-E double hockey sticks to pay for the rest of us. We all knew it was coming because the king got threatened and there was going to be some back talk and some, did you hear what this person said, and some triangulation of conversation, and suddenly everybody's got a bad reputation but him. And we all couldn't figure out why. Well, the king got knocked off the, off the throne and wanted to get back on and needed everybody else to fight each other so that they could assume the position again. He was a great manipulator. Like, just amazing. Not healthy, but really good at it. Pride comes before the fall. I want to bring us back to the verse that I shared because I think what Jesus is doing at the end of the Lord's Prayer is perfectly encapsulated in this proverb in chapter 30. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that I need, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. No matter what happens in life, whether we're on the bottom and we're struggling, when no matter if the opportunity didn't come our way and we are just wondering how did we find ourselves here, we can't hurt others in order to get back where we want to be. We can't harm others because all that does is hurt another person. And then when we tell them we're a part of a church or a Christian, that doesn't do the, anyone else any favors. We can't hurt others to get back to where we want to be. And then when we are there, when we've done the hard work of sharing our bread, when we've forgiven our debts and we're on a, in a place where we can start to see a flourishing of all people, when we can start to see a flourishing that is going forward, we can't say, wait, who is God again? That's what happened in the Tower of Babel. They started building a tower up into the heavens. And they literally were going to try to replace the divine and say, if we can build a tower up into the heavens, then guess who God is now? And that was not going to work because humans are not meant for that type of power. Instead, we are asked to participate in the distribution of grace, in the distribution of love, in the distribution of justice. We are asked to share to be kind, to be humble, to be people of forgiveness. Because when we operate with that humility, flourishing is possible, but a flourishing for all people. To the one in whom we belong and who makes us family, the source and divine parent who runs the house from a posture of wholeness and shalom. May your distinguishable character and your actions infused with justice and mercy be made known through those in your family. Reveal and bring your way and your order. May it happen as we co-create with you so this place reflects wholeness and shalom. Give us what we need for each day. There is enough. Let us not use the necessities for life as a way to gain power over others. May forgiveness be an orientation flowing openly between us all, trusting that having power and money over one another only leads to bondage and keep us from scapegoating others to get ahead or using our privilege and power to keep others down. Let us not use violence to seek peace, but let our trajectory be fixated on your loving kindness.
The other day we were on the bus going up to ski club with all of the Highview students. Um, the only way I can, I can keep them quiet or at least well-behaved is to put a movie on, and we were watching the movie The Sandlot. There's this moment in the movie towards the beginning where this kind of new kid to the neighborhood shows up to the sandlot and he's watching these kids play. And he says something really, really beautiful. He said, it doesn't seem like they're caught up in who's winning or losing. They just keep playing an endless game. And I thought, how perfect a metaphor for what this prayer is inviting us into. That on a day where we're going to watch two teams fight it out for the Lombardi Trophy and one team's going to be the Super Bowl champion and the other one's going to be the loser and all their fans are going to try to find a reason and play Monday morning quarterback and scapegoat somebody, what if we, instead of thinking about life as a win-lose, zero-sum game, that there's a winner and there's a loser and we got to make sure that we end up on top and somebody else ends up on bottom, what if we just said, let's go to the sandlot and just keep playing? Just keep playing. Let's pray. God of grace, God of hope and love, God of forgiveness, be with us as we are tempted. Tempted to scratch and claw our way back to where we think we should be, no matter who we put down. God, forgive us when we push others down in order to keep our place of privilege and power. God, forgive us when we see life as a zero-sum game where there's only some that make it and others who don't. But God, help us to just play. Help us to have a childlike mentality where we can just enjoy others, where we desire to see the flourishing of all, even if that costs me something. May I be willing to sacrifice it so that we can all move forward. Jesus, thank you for this prayer, this dynamic prayer that's been prayed for thousands of years. May it continue to mess with us. May it continue to cause us to wrestle. May it continue to be a challenge to us. Not something that we accomplish, but something we are called to participate in. May we do so with grace. In the name of Christ we pray. Coming up on Valentine's Day, it's doubling as Ash Wednesday. And so after you go out for dinner or celebrate or stay home or whatever you decide to do, make sure you come back here at 7. We're going to be having an Ash Wednesday service, which will have a very different feel from a normal Sunday morning. Um, we're going to be entering into a time of contemplation, a time of prayer, um, and a time uh, where we'll be imposing the ashes or doing the imposition of ashes, which is making the sign of the cross either on someone's forehead or on their hand as a symbolic way of saying, I recognize that time is limited and that death is coming and that I need to be present to my life. Um, and so we're going to be celebrating Ash Wednesday this coming Wednesday, the 14th, as a kickoff to Lent. And so we're going to be entering into the Lenten journey together. Coming up next Sunday, next Sunday, the 18th, we're going to be doing our first installment of the book discussion on the book Where We Meet. So if you have a copy or are going to get a copy or if you want to join us, come talk to me. We're going to be reading the first two weeks of information. So the first two weeks of this book, you're probably wondering, like, two weeks of a book? What? Yes, it's not divided into chapters. It's divided into weeks because it's meant to be read daily. And so we're going to be reading the first two weeks in preparation for next Sunday. And so that's what we'll be covering. So join us next Sunday at 7 for that.
And then finally, uh, just a word of encouragement to read the Tuesday news. So we send out a weekly email. It's called the Tuesday news, and it never goes out on Tuesday. It goes out on Wednesday or Thursday. And so make sure that you get on our emailing list so that you can keep up to date with the different goings on around here, the different studies, the different activities, the different themes that we have. Um, and one of the things that we're adding is a section on general conference. So we are United Methodist Church, and the big gathering of the United Methodist Church worldwide is taking place in Charlotte, North Carolina, coming up in April. And there's going to be a lot of decisions made about the direction of the church. Some important votes are going to be had. And so we want to keep you informed of what's going on and how those things may or may not be impacting uh, us as a church. And then finally... Today's a, a beautiful day where we're getting to baptize two little beautiful children and invite them into this family. Um, but next Saturday, um, kind of the opposite end of life, we are going to be celebrating the life of Judy Heffron. Judy Heffron is a longtime member of Peace who passed away a few weeks ago, and we're going to be holding a memorial service for her here at Peace at 3.30 on Saturday. And so we'll send out a more formal announcement about that on Monday. But we wanted to let you know that we're going to be celebrating Judy's life with her family here on Saturday, 3.30. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.